coming. Pass is picked off. He's going to go looking again, and it's picked off by Stephon Gilmore. Down on the right sideline. Into the end zone, and he's picked off. Back the other way. So your shop trip the day after the game. Yeah, so the shopping trip day after the game. So obviously, I think I've mentioned to you guys before, I don't know if it's ever been mentioned on here, but everything that is Super Bowl related in any NFL shop gets reduced by between 40 to 50% the day after the game. Understandable. There's a big NFL shop down at the media center because that's where the media center is there along with like the NFL experience where people can go and do um, like field goal kicking and all kind of naff little games like that, which Mm -hmm. is fun for all the children, basically. You really wanted to have a go yourself, didn't you? Well, we get the chance to actually go to that when the rest of the public are shut out, which is pretty Oh, okay. But I didn't have time this year to go and do it because I was trying to listen to all the press conferences and, you know, help out with some of the interviews and just be around where we were on Radio Row. I mean, be a professional. (laughs) Yeah, rather than running around and kicking field goals, basically. Um, Yeah. But yeah, so that that shop opened, I think, at like half eight, nine o'clock on the Monday morning and previous years I've described it as being like the scavenging and looting in natural disasters mm-hmm. because people just turn up with a cardboard box, grab six of the same thing, chuck it in and, you know, pay half price hoping I think to sell it on eBay for full price later on to like Rams fans around the world and stuff. Yeah. But they had that huge markup there at that shop on loads of stuff, which was really irritating. But not only that, but your boy knows that I found this out in Atlanta few years ago that the nfl does lots of little pop-up shops in either smaller malls around the city like i found one in like a really in atlanta a really small little shopping precinct that was you know two stories down into the ground somewhere in downtown and Mm -hmm. they have them in big hotels like the sheraton and places like that they'll just have in the lobby a little pop-up shop where you can buy stuff so knowing that I went on a hunt for some new shades on the right. Saturday before the game because I had a bit of time off and I lost my Ray-Bans when I was in Los Angeles, which is quite annoying. So I had to get some new ones because it was very, very sunny, which was, mm-hmm. you know, it was a tough life. And Terrible. Yeah, 30, 33 degrees in the day. You need some shades yeah. for that without a cloud in the sky. It was really tough. <laughs> and I went to a Sunglass Hut in Macy's. Now, mm-hmm. Macy's had a load of NFL Super Bowl gear in there anyway. And then there was a pop-up shop at the Sheraton Hotel next door to Macy's. So I nipped in there on the Saturday and had a little look round and saw this really nice black hat with the Super Bowl logo on it and said, got chatting with the woman and said, look, we both know everything is going to be 50% come Monday. And she was like, yeah, yeah, that's that's true. I was like, okay. So now we both know that is there any chance you can do me a favor? Because I really like this black hat. Is there any way you can keep one under the desk for me so I can turn up on Monday morning and get the hat? And she said, well, look, we'll be open just after the game as well. So if you can get down here just after the game or very early on Monday, I can make sure that there's one behind the desk for you so that you can get your 50% in price hat. (laughs) 
I was like, being English is just genius. Being English at anything in the US is great. Being English at media stuff is incredible because you can walk into places accidentally. Like we went and filmed some footage in some seats that we definitely weren't allowed to sit in at the 50 yard line. Basically the seats that Kanye West and Antonio Brown were in on the broadcast. Oh, right. Okay. We went and did some filming there a few days before the game. And somebody came up and said, you're not allowed to be here. You're meant to be down there where all of the other media had gone. And I was, oh, I'm really sorry. I just, you know, I saw it was open. I thought it'd be a fantastic view. And the guy was like, oh, you're English. Ah, oh, don't worry about it. Look, just take your shots and get lost. So, <laughs> phenomenal. That's so, pretty cool. So this woman saved the hat. Uh, I went down there on Monday, collected it. She saved the hat for me. She was supremely great. Then went across to the big shop, which was a bit more carnage, but there's a few things going. I got this really nice poster of the artist that does stuff for every single Super Bowl anyway. Got that for like 10 bucks, which normally mm-hmm. I'd pay 40 bucks plus the shipping from the US for. Yeah. And then on Monday morning, before I went to the big main shop, I noticed that Macy's doesn't open until 10 o'clock on Monday morning. And I also oh. knew that they had the mother load in there of loads of NFL gear as well. <laughs> so I'm on the WhatsApp to all the guys on the uh, on the broadcast like, look, gents, you know there's a markup at the big NFL shop anyway. If you find something you want, maybe wait and see if they've got it at Macy's at 10 o'clock where we're going to be there before the rest of the crowds get there if we get there for like 5 to 10 or something. And a couple of the people didn't take my advice, but a couple of people did and came along with me to Macy's at 5 to 10. And yeah. if you wanted any Rams or Bengals gear, oh my goodness, you had your pick. So like this hat in the NFL shop was like 54 bucks. In Macy's it was already 34 bucks and then got it for about 15, 17 dollars at Macy's nice. with a 50% discount. It was great. I love I love being <laughs> on the little hustle. Look, the NFL makes enough money anyway, and they take my money for game pass and all that kind of stuff. They can give me some damn discount on the Super Bowl merch that I'm going to get. Are you doing them a favor? You do them a favor because you're going to be buying merch that otherwise you have to throw away. So you do them a favor. Yeah, I'm clearing stock. I'm yeah. just helping them out. Yeah. Exactly. They should thank me. So what's the what's the pick of the bunch? What's the best thing you bought? Well, I I got you guys some stuff. Oh, that's very kind. Well, I didn't. I, not some stuff. I got you a, a something each, but there wasn't that many good things. Like you know, a couple of years ago, I was able to get the glasses back and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, I wasn't able to do that. They didn't have any of those glasses available in any of the bars at all. They didn't send out like special Super Bowl glasses like they'd done previously. Blame on COVID, probably. But I picked you guys up a couple, uh, something each. Um, the best thing I got, though, which again wasn't available to buy in the shops, and normally mm-hmm. I've been denied this every single time, is Bud Light do send out for the beer taps. They send out a little screw in stand that has yeah. the Super Bowl logo on it. So you know when you're oh, okay. So, and this will only be for the webcam, I guess. I'll put a picture up somewhere. I've got this little plastic That's really quite cool. Super Bowl. How'd you get 56. one of those? I just went to, I found a bar down the road from my hotel on the Monday evening. Yeah. And went down there because I went actually on a glass hunt so I could try and pick up these pint glasses for you and, uh, for you and Stumps and nowhere had them. And this was like a proper Irish bar. You were going there to watch the game on Sunday kind of thing. That's where you go. And I saw this on the top of the Bud Light pump. And I just said to the woman, look, what are you going to do with that? She said, I don't know. I think we're meant to like send them back or something. I'm not really sure what happens with it. I said, look, you're not going to do anything with it. Can I 
just maybe maybe have it. She's like, I don't know if it comes off. And I said to her, I know exactly that it comes off. I know it's a screw top. Don't worry about that. <laughs> so she started to unscrew it. But she unscrewed it, not realizing that once she got to the end of the screw, it would just fall off. So it fell onto the bar and every single piece of this logo that's made out of plastic just snapped off and went flying all over the place. <laughs> so then did a little scurry around on the floor, managed to find them. And then this afternoon, I've super, super glued them back together for my little Super Bowl trophy logo. Yeah. Oh, that's a win, isn't it? And there were two people in that bar who recognized my accent because they were from bloody Bedford. Go yeah. to go to a bar in Los Angeles and two people from Bedford who just moved out there seven weeks ago are the people I end up chatting to. Ridiculous. <laughs> Ridiculous. But yeah, it was... Um, you got your thing though. I mean, it would have been better if they just... If that one had broken and they give you a different one, that'd been quite nice. Oh, give me a fresh one, yeah. Oh, we yeah. got this one in the back. They only had this one and this one only. And it was one of the only bars I saw it in, aside from the bars in the in the stadium. So I have wanted one of these for years which is a really dumb thing to want because it's not something you can buy. But I just think it's a lovely little 3D nice logo. Memento. Yeah, it's a good 3D logo. It will go up on the shelf. Yeah. Um, Any other highlights of the the game and the coverage of the game for you? Highlights of the coverage. Outside of the actual game, the experience for you is more important. So the coverage, getting Greg Rosenthal to join us for most of the game was yeah. awesome. It was incredible. Uh, I got some props from the guys for being able to dovetail nicely between he and Phoebe. And those two had a great working relationship on air of knowing who to step in and when and why. Yeah. And um, it worked perfectly as a three-man booth. So getting to work with Greg was pretty cool. Um, What else? I mean, everything just went kind of smoothly, if I'm honest. Like the game <laughs> was good. It was engrossing. Yep. It was entertaining. Here's something you're not going to like, Jazz. I didn't like The Rock before kickoff. It didn't get shown in on BBC or Sky's coverage. Really? That's a big... I had, to, I had to go searching for it. I saw him on Instagram the day before doing rehearsals. I thought, what's he doing? Oh, I thought, well, he's doing introduction for the teams. I wonder whether they're going to show that. And then they just didn't show that at all, which is really confusing. So I had to watch it on Instagram. And I will admit that it was a little bit... It was a little bit like a weak ejaculation. So that's probably the best that's a weird way it. to put it. But yeah, okay. <laughs> Definitely a weird way to put it. Like a, uh, 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 well, the know? trouble was, was that they'd already done team intros and they were all set up. They'd done the coin toss and everything. And so they, they hand over to me. Uh, I give it a nice bit of build up, and then suddenly yeah. nothing's happening. Both teams are just stood there on the field kind of waiting to go. And so I end up trying to fill and fill and fill. Cause I didn't want to bring in Phoebe, my co-coms unless I knew we were going to have time. And I didn't think with two teams lined up ready to kick off the Super Bowl and we're already overrunning in terms of kickoff time. I yeah. actually figured that they were going to go pretty soon. And then suddenly the big screen cuts to The Rock and I had to quickly, oh, and The Rock's on, on the field. Let's go down there. And he starts doing this team intro, but we'd already had the team intros coming out. There was no more pop to be had. The next big pop was going to be kickoff. Yes. And... Obviously, two years ago in Miami, he actually did the videos for those team intros, which yeah. was the the thing that in Miami made my spine tingle more than anything else because they were both so well done because they were great video packages, perfectly done to the beat of the music, great drama around those intros. And so then having The Rock just on the field being like, they are the Cincinnati Bengals. 
It's like, yeah, I know. Yeah. I'm, I can see them. I've been waiting for them yeah, to kick this game off for freaking 20 minutes here, <laughs> Rocky. Right? You just... It would have been better if they did what they did in the NFC Championship game, which was have Michael Buffer do the let's get ready to rumble. That would have been far better for the Super Bowl, especially yeah. as Buffer was milling around the place throughout the week with um, with a ring girl alongside him holding some belt and doing interviews on Radio Row. So I think oh, right, they, okay. I think they I think they missed I think they, the poor woman she just had to walk around in a freaking ring girl bikini and very 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 short skirt type thing, just holding this belt. And when I tell you that they put the air conditioning low on in the media center, I mean, I had to wear a hoodie and jeans because otherwise I would have been shaking like fingernails going blue. Oh so this poor girl had to walk around in next to nothing with Michael Buffer as he kind of did interview after interview. She just had to stand there. And when I think we were the only table as well that actually offered her a chair to sit down at. All the oh, other really? ones, she was stood behind him just kind of being there. We we're like, what no, take was, why was he there? Uh, I think he was selling some fight or some new branch of whatever. Everybody's there to sell something. Yeah, of course. Nobody's doing it just for, oh, I want to be interviewed. Unless you're Josh Potter, who was great. <laughs> that was one of my highlights, to be honest. Getting getting to meet Josh Potter outside a comedy venue on the Thursday night and then him being super grateful to me for getting him a radio row pass for the Friday. And yeah. then he he was like he, he saw Josh Allen going into a hotel just across the street he was like and i nearly fainted oh my god it was just <laughs> really surreal how the dynamic went from me being so appreciative of him coming down and i was a little bit late for the interview and stuff as well to him being like no nah, man thank you so much like i really appreciate you getting me in there and stuff it was like it's cool anytime i can mate anytime i'll get you in he's keen to come on here which is weird, but great. That'd be fun. That'd we be get, really good fun. I can't Josh, wait to see you get smacked down about Josh Allen feelings. Hey, if we get Josh Podzer on this, though, we have to do it like a Shane Vereen podcast where oh, yeah. know, we've got to have a few drinks or get a little bit loose or something. Have Pot no, hopefully no time limit and have a, have a good time about it. Because Potter came out on stage and immediately shotgunned a 20-ounce can of Paps Blue Ribbon beer which was fantastic oh, really? so he shotgunned that drank another one and then shotgunned one at the end but the first one he shotgunned when he came out on stage he must have like he said it was an extra four ounces to normal and normally they're 16 ounce cans or maybe he, yeah. he's used to 12 and it was a 16 ounce can but either way he shotgunned the whole thing and then was just bent over a bit like oh oh god that's hit me way too bad in the gut i'm so gassy <laughs> <laughs> 15 20 seconds of him reacting like that it was very well played by him was he the headliner of the show? Yeah, it was his show. Uh, there were a couple. There are three other comedians before him. Um, one of them was very funny as well. I'll, I can't remember the name off the top of my head, but Josh did sent Josh sent me their names. Uh, the Mr. Day Potter after. to you, I think. No, ah, no, me and me and Josh now are Josh and Wilson. I think it is. So mm. you know, good. So yeah, those those were the highlights. The Universal Studios thing was fun. That was cool. Where they just shut down the place for us. Did the Universal Studios tour at night did a couple of the rides went mm -hmm. to crusty burger ate a crusty burger went did to you get Mo any of the, the nfl honors and the red carpet for that no we didn't get any nfl honors this year uh, we didn't get the red carpet because it was limited capacity due to covid, uh, COVID yeah. yeah so uh rolls his eyes <laughs> oh covid yeah uh, i mean it still is there yeah just getting sick of it being an excuse for everything yeah, that's true. But I understand the NFL, you know, they do not want an outbreak. And I was convinced Sean McVay had COVID going into the game because he'd, he'd lost his voice for the last two press conferences that I, w I listened to. And he, was, oh, right. and he kept on saying, but I'm feeling fine. I'm feeling good still. It's like, you keep saying you're feeling fine a little bit too much. 
almost like you're not feeling fine and you're trying mm. to make everybody think that you are feeling fine. So I wait for the Sean McVay retires at 36 years old after winning the Super Bowl and reveals he had COVID at the Super Bowl. Well, his fiance came out and put a picture on, uh, I think, Twitter saying he's not retiring. Everyone can stop talking about it now. Well, apparently, according to all of our post-game discussions that we had on air, everybody's leaving that team. Aaron Donald's leaving. Aaron Donald, Matt Stafford, Von Miller, uh, Sean McVay. And they were trying to say, oh, they've got a great nucleus in this team to to build on, even though they haven't got the draft picks and the way they've run the system and and everything like that. And it's like, do they? If everybody's retiring, there isn't a nucleus around for there to... Who's going to be the QB? Yeah, I mean... (laughs) They'll probably trade a first-round pick to get Jared Goff back just for familiarity, I guess. Eesh. It's incredible, though, that Stafford... I know he threw two picks and everything. One of them I don't hold against him because he was going for a shot downfield. Like, he rolls out. He's just like, sod it. Jefferson, go get this. And he just oh, that was, that was a punt. That was effectively a punt. Yeah. yeah so, so it's either going... So the thing with that is that sometimes... We're, we're going to talk long. about the game, by the way, now, right, Jess? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah but, I mean, if you're third and long, you've got a chance to have a long touchdown or it's going to be a picked-off interception. Maybe it's just a touchback. Well, it's the same as having a punt, so why not have a go? You've got yeah. nothing to lose and everything to gain. Unless, except for the fact that you've got Johnny Hecker doing your punts, which means you're likely to pin him down yeah, inside the 10. Yeah, that's a fair point. So, for field position. But, no, I don't. I didn't hate it. Stafford had time rolling out the wrong way, sets his feet and just slings it looking for Van Jefferson. I just think Jefferson's got to do a better job battling for the ball on that one and coming back towards it because it, maybe it's slightly underthrown by Stafford, but I think he's also worried that if he goes full cannon of his arm, he actually overshoots it and doesn't give Jefferson a chance to make the play. I think Jefferson yeah. doesn't realise where the high point is necessarily going to be because he should be beating Bates to that ball. But um, I didn't dislike that. I didn't hate that interception. And I didn't hate the uh, Skoranek interception either because... That's off his. It's slightly behind that him, was but the it's off his fault. hands. And Awuzie makes an incredible pick, but yeah, it, yeah, receiver's fault on that one for me. Yeah, so Matt Stafford actually really throws one interception that you could maybe put on him, and he throws three touchdowns. I actually thought he had a. I know they struggled to get the ball moving once OBJ went out, which I thought was game over for them. Once That's you saw them struggling too. on those two drives, I was like, this is the Bengals, Bengals game to have. I, why they didn't put the ball in Joe Mixon's hands more often in those short yardage situations, particularly the third and fourth down that are short instead of Samaj P. Ryan going for it. I didn't understand Speaking that. Speaking of that fourth down, have you seen the pictures of Jamar Chase and Jalen Ramsey on that play? No. Jamar Chase had beaten Jalen Ramsey and Jalen Ramsey was, had fallen over. Oh. And Jamar Chase was on a go route. So if he'd had three seconds longer... That's a touchdown to Jamar Chase Three and probably game over. Is a lot to ask though with that D line the way it was playing. I was shocked. I mean, I was one of my bets I had before the game was to have Von Miller not to have a sack. I thought, well, they did a really good job against um, Kansas City the week before in the mm-hmm. AFC Championship games. So I thought, well, there's a chance they're going to hopefully keep them upright. And then the first half, that D line didn't really do a great deal. Number fifty for the Rams, I can't remember his name, but he was everywhere. It yeah. was like there was three of them on the field. Can't remember his name. Um, something Jones, maybe? Um, anyway. Ever Jones? Sorry, I've got it in my notes. Let me not be a fool. Number 50. Whoever that guy is, he had one hell of a game. That had That's kind of kicked off what looked like a really good Rams defense in that game with the one-handed bat down, I think, on the Bengals' first drive where he just yeah. flashes across and comes out of nowhere and makes this incredible yeah. breakup. 
And so I kept seeing that this pressure started to kind of really come on in the second half. So the Rams usually really hot in the first half and yeah, struggle in the second. Ernest Jones, by the way, yeah. yeah there you go. Yeah, great player. Great, great player in that, that game several times. Um, but the Rams were quite hot in the first half and cold in the second, and the Bengals were always vice versa, so go down and then come back. Mm. It seemed like there was all the adjustments that were made, obviously the start of the second half of the Bengals coming out and scoring a touchdown very rapidly. And then having the pick was really, really, I thought to myself, this is going to be the game changing here. But really when you break it down, it was the Rams defense holding that second possession to three points. That was the game that was won and lost at that point. Yeah. Yeah. Cause oh, I just couldn't believe the the Bengals adjustments on offense didn't seem to work after the, the Rams had changed and what they were doing. It was, it was very cat and mouse, very chessy. And I, from my point of view, I was happy with either either result. I really wanted to see Burrow win, um, especially I liked the Tampa one last year in their own stadium. I'm not really a fan of the LA Rams doing it in their own stadium because mm. as much as the Rams are a, a team full of superstars, I just like the underdog in the situation. But either way, great result. I'm happy for Aaron Donald for getting the ring. I'm happy that Stafford got one. Happy McVeigh got one. But like you said, I wonder how many of these stars will end up jumping ship to retirement. Because yeah, why not? If you if Aaron Donald, for example, what more has he got to win? You can say, oh, I'll win another one, but the chances of him doing that are so slim, it's it's hard to really see how you get better from there. Yeah, Von Miller may, if he thinks this Rams team can go back, may want to stick around because he currently is tied for the most sacks in a Super Bowl at four and a half. Yeah. So maybe he'll think about that. I mean, Miller was exceptional. Leonard Floyd was exceptional. Ernest Jones was great. Aaron Donald was, of course, an absolute monster. Uh, You're completely right about the drive after the interception. That was the thing. Of Holt being held to that 38-yard field goal. What was interesting, actually, was the Bengals' best drive, without a doubt, was the one at the end of the second half, which wasn't the Bengals' big play, big chunks. It was mix and grinding, mix and, you know, slowly but surely just driving the ball with his legs, few short passes from Burrow and spilled. And actually, when I saw that, you thought, damn, this Bengals team could actually grind and play clock. And Mm -hmm. I said before the game um, on air that uh, for me, after all of the conversations throughout the week, everyone had been talking about the D-line. Everyone had been talking about the three-man rush for the Bengals and the pass coverage of eight-man for that D. Everyone had been talking about the sets of wide receivers that both teams had, Cooper Cup, OBJ. Obviously, Higby was out for that in terms of the tight end position, but uh, Van Jefferson, I think, has played well at times during the playoffs and was good during the NFC Championship game as the third receiver for the Rams, really, behind OBJ and Cup, and obviously the trifecta for the Bengals. And the guy who was second tight end played well, too. Yeah, they mixed that. They mixed that around in terms of uh, yeah. the, the NFC Championship game. Um, they had Kendall Blanton come in and play that, but it was Hopkins that got the majority of the snaps yeah. at tight end. But I said, as I say, I said before the game that actually I believed after all the chat, the team that can run the best will be able to win this Super Bowl. I, I really felt the ground game was going to be more pivotal than anybody had expected. And going into that half after seeing the Bengals grind a drive like that, mm-hmm. I, I thought it was so impressive. And Joe Mixon looked like he had the ability to get four and a half carries, four yard, sorry, four and a half yards, four yards every single time he ran the ball. Whereas the Rams yeah. really struggled on the ground. They kept trying to establish it, which to me was smart, but it was falling really flat against the Bengals' defensive line. And well, I, Kalik I, has had what, like eleven rushes for thirteen yards, something like that. Yeah, it, it was absolutely 
sod all. Let's just get the uh, the stats up here. Yeah, Cam Akers, 13 attempts for 21 yards. Daryl okay. Henderson, four That's attempts for five. seven yards. I mean, Henderson played a big role in the passing game in terms yeah, of getting him out wide. Sony Michelle only given two attempts and two yards, but I'm kind of surprised that he didn't get more opportunities because I like Sony Michelle as a ground runner and he's been the safest man with the ball in that Rams team by a mile this year in terms of being able to hold on to it. But you just thought the Bengals have found another way to be able to win this game by mm -hmm. going away from those splashy players. You know that the Rams D was thinking about the pass rush and covering those receivers. You know, they were bouncing Ramsey around on basically whoever thought that they thought was going to get the ball in those yeah, moments. Yeah, which I thought was really clever. Yeah, it's smart. It's a shame he didn't have a great game, though. He got beaten on a number of occasions. Yeah. I know he, he felt hard done by by the T. Higgins touchdown. The face mask, yeah. Which I, I didn't see that. From the angle we had, we were behind that, and then we didn't really have access to many replays, and the stadium didn't put on any decent replays of that. So my host, Will Gavin... Shout out to him who did he did a great job throughout the week with interviews and stuff as well. He said that he thought that Higgins had flung Ramsey down to the deck with two arms as they were battling for it. And I have to say, I didn't see that hand movement either. What I saw was Higgins trying to get his arms... Ramsey's so close to him that Higgins just trying to get his arms up over his back to be able to make an aerial catch. Yeah, And so he's kind of moved the arms up and Ramsey's been caught off balance as he moves those arms but they're not intentionally making contacting that way he's not he's not holding he's not actually pushed him he's just made enough contact to contact to to upset Ramsey's balance slightly and they've kind of let a lot go anyway so they were deciding yeah. to let that go and we didn't see that replay until it went out on Twitter so I'd been on this I think Higgins has made a great play you've got to let the boys play you've got to let that sort of stuff happen that's a touchdown for me 75 yards what a way to start the half 15 minutes go by in normal time rather than you know game clock time. And Will Gavin, at the next possible moment, is like, I've just seen the replay of Higgins absolutely face-masking the living hell out of Jalen Ramsey. And I had to be like, <laughs> oh, great. I guess I've gone so heavy on that that I now look like an idiot. Brilliant. Yeah. Thank you very much. Um, but yeah. It's tough, though, because the thing is, though, if they felt that was such a clear and obvious error, they should have brought it back. Well, the Rams should have, uh, should have challenged play. it. It's a scoring play, so you can't challenge a scoring play. It's automatically yeah, reviewed. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so, so where's the... Consistency? Or at there least the, the ability of the NFL. I wonder if, because we've barely seen any of those uh, pass interference challenges being thrown anyway since it's come into the league, I wonder... I think Sean McVay's one of the only guys I've actually seen throw the pass interference challenge, to be honest. Yeah. I just wonder if the NFL almost in the booth, doesn't even think about it that much either. They're just like, I'll just go with the call on the field type thing. Maybe. Speaking of Higgins, I he had a very big day. I think that if the Bengals had won, he would have been MVP. Yeah, 100 yards. On, I think Joe Mixon gets it. Oh, I don't think he did enough. He throws a touchdown and runs Yeah, throws a touchdown. Trey Burton threw a touchdown to Nick Foles. I mean, he should be the, the MVP of that Super Bowl. No, but Joe Mixon was the grinding force for large parts of that game. I mean, I, I took the over on receiving yards for Joe Mixon because I really thought that he out of the backfield was going to have a nice day and he got barely anything, which was a which is a shame. big shame. But he did win me some money on completing a pass, which... You said it was 17 to 1, that? I think it was. I have to go back and check. It might not have been that high because that seems too high for that an over. It seems very high. But it was it was fairly decent odds, if I recall. But um, yeah, so I did like that one. 
did you get the Gator? What did you go for Gatorade color in the end? Did you go with the yellow? Yellow. Yeah. Because I saw in my in the vision that I had and seen of what was going to happen, I saw Burrow winning and I saw Taylor being splashed in yellow. If you think the Rams are going to win, blue is probably the smart choice, not just because it's the best flavor, but they play in blue. So Yeah, that was... I, That's why there were shorter odds on blue this year. I told our friend, our mutual friend, Sam, to stick a fiver on whatever Jazz had put money on because i'm just going to trust you on that but i was regretting it and thinking oh i should have gone blue because i always thought the rams were going to win you know two weeks before the game i did a podcast with some uh with some folks at the hurry up and they asked for a you know pre-super bowl what's your lock who's it going to be and i said oh i'm getting on this i've doubted them all year i'm not going to doubt them for this game i'm going Bengals. and three days before the game i did another one with them and they said right what is your actual thought for the game and i had to backtrack i was like no way rams win this they just do they've just got a better team and on paper it was a better matchup and the stats played into that as well and the, yeah. the most interesting thing i think to me with it was you know how when an offensive line is playing well they grind down a defense and the defense yeah. looks tired it was like a complete role reversal in that the Bengals looked like they put so much effort in trying to keep Burrow clean in that first half that at the start of the second half, that Rams D-line had just ground them down, that they were shattered already. Yeah. And they just, I mean, there were probably adjustments made at halftime as well, but it was a wrecking crew, absolute wreck. I think it was two sacks before the half mm-hmm. and then five after. I mean, yeah, it was a lot in the second half. <laughs> Yeah. And we, mean, kept on, we kept on looking at the stats and being like, has there been that many sacks, really? Because the Bengals were still in it. And they kept, yeah, every so often yeah. they'd have a half-decent drive that would move the ball a little bit in the second half. Although both offences really got closed off in that second half by really good defensive play. They did indeed. But, Which made the game go really fast. I felt like the, the quickest Super Bowl I've watched, I don't think, ever. Yeah, it was rapid, wasn't it? Really fast. Mm. I don't know if that was because I was just so excited because it's the last game of the year. Or because I had no team really going into it, so I was just watching for fun. I'm not really sure, but it did feel like it went very, very fast. Where did you watch it? Did you watch it at home in the end? Just watched it at home with Sam. Yeah, made tons nice. of chicken wings. Nice. Yeah. God, I could have done with some food during that. I was very hungry at points. Yeah. I mean, so with the playoffs, though, I mean, I in terms of backing teams, I backed the Bengals every week and got it right. I got the AFC playoff picture completely correct from well played wild cards all the way to the the Super Bowl. I got the NFC bit not as correct because I bet I was talking about I picked against the Rams every single game. Oh, that's so not... going into the Super Bowl, I picked against the Rams who'd beaten me every week when I picked against them. I've been picking the Bengals every week that have been with me every week. So when I picked the Bengals, I thought, well, it's going to go one way or the other. If I pick the Rams and they lose, I'll be annoyed I didn't back the damn Bengals. But if the Rams win, well, they'd prove me wrong four times. So I can't do anything about that. Yeah, it was. Um... Yeah, it's a tough it's a tough one to I can completely understand why everybody got on the Bengals bandwagon because you just believed. And I tell you what, that last drive for the that Cincinnati had, the the way Jamar Chase takes that first reception on the left sideline and turns yeah. it upfield so quickly. In my head, I was I thought he was going then. I thought that was going to the house in that moment. Because he was suddenly he'd made Ramsey miss. And he was in a bit of open field and it was going to take a, a great open field tackle. And in fairness to the Rams D, they got to the ball quickly. Very similar actually to how the Bengals defense had played for a large part of the playoffs mm-hmm. in terms of smothering and, and getting on the attack quickly. 
And I thought that was going to be the, right, Chase Burrow. They're just going to hit Chase Burrow the whole time, the whole time. Aaron Donald made some incredible plays. The That one of the third, a third down one was... To pull P. Ryan, Ryan back. got stopped by a yard and just couldn't go any further. Yeah, and he hit a wall. So close to the fourth yeah. uh, to the to the marker and you Aaron Donald quite literally drags him backwards from that like uh yeah. like something out of a Tom and Jerry skit where somebody's reaching and they get so close and put their hand out to try and grab something and then they're just roped yeah. back in by like the big dog or whatever that used to beat the hell out of Tom in Tom and Jerry Rex yeah I think it was Rex never known the name of the dog in that I think I'm right on that one we'll that, go with it we'll go with it Let's call it that was quite incredible um but i thought they wasted an opportunity in that they ran in key downs out of the shotgun which is always foolish they put p ryan in on key downs in that drive when it should have been joe mixon it's a bit like the marshall lynch but not quite as obvious because it wasn't at the goal line but i, I don't know it's p ryan has had a good season and he had a couple of really big important plays during the playoffs too that that um the catch the reception against the chiefs the yeah week the before. reception he's not broken off big runs and when you need short yardage and when you need yardage on the ground, considering Mixon had found gaps where there were none at times, I just thought it was I thought it was poor of Zach Taylor to not have his best eleven out there on the field. Although well, the argument with that, of course, is if you put Pierre in as a pass catching back and then you run with him, it should get the defense more off guard. Maybe. But you can't be thinking about being off guard at that point. You just needed to convert and you needed yeah, to keep yeah, the ball moving. I, I, yeah, I would have had Mixon's been great out of the backfield with hands as well at times this year. So, I, I just think you put every your best. It wasn't on. far away from being completed to P Ryan either. Yeah, I know the swing and a miss by Joe Burrow. Yeah, yeah. If P Ryan dives for that, <laughs> maybe have a look. Gets it, have yeah. a look at it. If P Ryan actually dives and stretches out for the loose ball, he's got a real chance to make that, and he doesn't. And that's why I'd have Joe Mixon. Joe Mixon would have dove. <laughs> Joe Mixon would have dove. <laughs> Joe Mixon stretches out at all costs. Yeah, he. Would, I, I, I really think he did himself a great credit in that game. Jamar Chase had the big one, big one down the right sideline in the first quarter. Yeah. I mean, Cooper Cup's the best player in the NFL. Let's. Can we just? He is the most valuable player in the NFL. I don't care that Aaron Rodgers won the honors. He was the triple crown man during the regular yeah. season. He is the man that got them out of jail against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the divisional round. He's the man that got two touchdowns in the Super Bowl. He's the Super Bowl MVP. If you lead your team like that, you lead the league like that, and then you win the Super Bowl MVP, you are the MVP of the NFL without a doubt. I completely agree with that. If he did the NFL honors again today after the game, I would very much consider that it'd be hard to make a case against him being the the almost unanimous MVP because all well and good having quarterbacks doing what they're doing, but did they get the teams to the big game and did they win the big game? Did they play the best, were they the best player on the field in the big game? No. So that is hard to argue against. Of course, if they had have given him the MVP, well, we know they would have lost because MVPs don't win Super Bowls. That's true. Remember that, Ollie? Yeah, so if anything, with him not winning it, it's been better for him because he had more of a chip on his shoulder. You know those NFL players, they love the chips on their shoulder. Oh, love a chip. Love a That's chip. That's what they're doing. Do you but think... he played brilliantly. He was excellent. That that um, TD, the back, back corner of the end zone, where he makes it look like he's going to be blocking and then just runs past someone. It was, yeah, first, it was yeah. wonderful. Yeah, really, he, really he is such a great pass blocker as well. You saw on every single running down when they brought... They bring him into a tight end position and he's not the biggest looking guy and his technique is so 
so yeah. well done that he's, he's quite brilliant in the uh, in the run block situations but he completes that fourth and one which was that was the game and to run a jet sweep on that fourth and one was so gutsy and it just yeah. showed when OBJ's out and Van Jefferson didn't really step up in that moment Skoranek didn't really do anything coming into that except they really missed Robert Woods yeah massively well they, I mean they missed OBJ probably a bit more to be honest yeah. when he went out but yeah Robert Woods yeah. too was was certainly missed. and Tyler Higby in, in uh, times you know probably would have been a better safety net better relationship with Stafford yeah but you saw McVeigh just say I will get the ball in the hands of my very best player on offense and that's Cooper Cup and I will trust him to make the right decisions like some receivers would have tried to bounce that further to the outside, but Cup just knows he's got to get a yard and sees that he can turn it inside instead because that edge is sealed off quite nicely, but he's got mm-hmm. a man in front of him three yards away. He can make that yard inside quicker than the other, than the defender coming down can get to him. Just really smart footballing plays. And I'm, without a doubt, McVeigh has said into the head headset of Stafford, just, just get the balls in the hands of Cooper Cup because that's all they did on that drive, really. The biggest yards yep. and the biggest advantages were made when Stafford found Cup. That yep. no-look pass is outrageous. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the thing with that, you, you couldn't really see that. or No one mentioned it at all on broadcast. I've only seen it, having seen the different angle on Twitter. But again, if it's Mahomes has done that or Aaron Rodgers, we're hearing about that all day for the rest of our lives. Yeah. Because Matthew Stafford, it's not as big a deal, which is not as cool. So that pass, actually, again, I remember seeing that. And I knew it looked odd because, and I thought I was blown away, especially just by the window that he found because he led cut perfectly into what was a really tight window. And uh, was it was it Jesse? No, I don't think it was Jesse Bates. It was um, Von Bell gets completely yes. done by that look. And Von Bell's right hand reaches out and it's like a centimeter or two away from making an important tip on that. So Stafford's body language has done just enough in that perfect moment. Yeah. And I said during the commentary, I was like, oh, wow, like Stafford has found Cup on a rope through some tight... Because he almost seemed to go through two windows of players to find Cup on that one. So that yep. that was already special to me in terms of the throw and the way he led him. And then you see it afterwards and he's like staring no, down the right side yeah. of the field. I'm just like, that is silly, silly good. Do we? That give- was an exceptional play. And it's hard to really argue against Stafford. I've not heard anything about him possibly retiring, though. Where did that come from? Uh, it's it's the kind of he's won the Super Bowl. He's done twelve, uh, right, okay. 12 years high, in Detroit. Blah, 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 yeah, blah, blah, blah. I mean, you you would think about retiring if you finally won a Super Bowl after doing twelve years in Detroit, and the first time you go somewhere else with a decent team, you're like, oh, this is actually what we can do. We can win everything. Speaking of winning everything, um, am I right in remembering correctly that Deshaun Jackson was on the Rams at the start of the year? He was, yeah, and then they cut his he, ass. He, he didn't want to stay because he wasn't getting the ball. Yeah, and but he, he regrets that now, doesn't he? <laughs> well, you think if they had had him, they probably don't go and get OBJ. That's a fair point, and because that probably changed their offense quite a bit. And then D-Jax, Robert Woods just still have gone down. Djax is still the guy to, in theory, hit the longer balls too and use his yeah. pace to open up the defense and the underneath for Higby and Cups kind of thing. And be that third receiver, which is what OBJ became really, the third receiver with Robert Woods and Cup there. But then Robert Woods going down as soon as OBJ gets there. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Very different stories if some of those things don't take place. Very different stories Very indeed. Do we give Speaking- more... Just quickly before I don't want to move on from Stafford just yet. Do we give more okay. cre- <laughs> Do we give more credit to Matt Stafford? Because No. What for his career 
or anything. No, like, there's no, no additional. Need any more credit than he deserves. He has a, had a. He's had a career where he's been stifled and stuck on a team that's never really been competitive. I want Matt Stafford to fail. There's that, and what we also have to remember is he's had one year in a team full of superstars that have literally assembled a team of superstars to try and get over the hump, which they've succeeded with. So I saw a great picture of um, Kara Sneed putting up Les Sneed with Stafford and Von Miller. And it just said the caption of how about them picks? Because of course the picks they gave up to get those two. So their strategy and kind of tactics have worked in that sense. So from that point of view, fair play to the Rams, but Stafford did walk into a team full of everything. If he'd walk into a team which didn't have the same level of production and was struggling, it's easy to make a conversation that he's he's been the reason why it's improved. But Jared Goff took a team similar to this, the Super Bowl. So it's not as if McVeigh's offense is QB unfriendly, shall we say. I mean, even Kirk Cousins did quite well on him. So. But also, Jared Goff took a, that elements of that team to the Super Bowl, or I think only six of them actually were in that Super Bowl against the New England Patriots in the end that were on this Rams roster. But also, that was a Rams team that had, in his prime for a large part of the season, Todd Gurley. Yeah. Whereas, you'd argue, you know, Sonny Michel isn't on Todd Gurley levels. Daryl Henderson no, out. None for of those three are. Daryl Henderson out for the majority of the playoffs. Cam Akers out for most All of the season, yeah. except the playoffs. So... And I still think it's so damn impressive for Stafford to step into a brand new team, have the immediate connection he did with Cup, be able to satisfy OBJ. And I'm sure OBJ was just satisfied in the end by the fact that this Rams team was winning and getting there, but he became a bigger piece of the puzzle. You know, Stafford's got to build a relationship with brand new players in a really short amount of time. And he did do that in an incredibly short amount of time. He had, I think he equaled his... Uh, or maybe had his best ever season, four touchdown passes in 41, had his second best year or third best year in yardage in a mm-hmm. in a brand new team. I know, again, it's superstars and everything like that, but it, it it's an incredible feat that he's Arguably, pulled off. Of course, off. with Cooper Cup having such a good season, someone's got to get him the ball. However, I mean, that's my Stafford should have been MVP. If he's as open as he is, it's not as if you need an absolute marksman or a clever person to see that, oh, he's open again, throw it there. No, but it's, uh, it's Jared Goff couldn't do it. Like, No, I know. Putting that team on Jared Goff's shoulders, he wasn't able to do it. It took a quarterback of a, a high level to be able to still do that. Yeah, I'm, I'm not in any way taken away from that in the slightest. I just think that to try and big him up past where he already was. Because I, I, Apart from Dave, I think we all can agree that Matt Stafford is a very good quarterback. Mm. He wouldn't have played 13 years in a team that's struggling and being like the central piece they're trying to build around for that much time if he wasn't any good. I think the last two years in the NFL, I don't know about Dave actually, because Dave has this thing against Stafford and you know Matt Ryan is, I, I mean, I love Matt Ryan as well. I think you and I over the season just gone and last year would have taken Stafford over our starting quarterbacks. Yes. For, without a doubt. Yeah. And I, I, and if I was an Atlanta fan, I'd take Stafford over Ryan. I know Dave will be hard, and you know he's not bothering to turn up for another podcast. So you know, screw that guy. But uh, yeah, Dave... I don't know actually that one. I if I had Matt Ryan, again, I think Matt Ryan is probably a better quarterback than Matt Stafford. 
if I'm honest. I think Ryan... That's a tough one. That's Ryan, like 1A, 1B. Ryan is to is like the safer man. Stafford is more from the school of Brett Favre, of like, <laughs> forget it. Let's just sling it and see what happens. Whereas Ryan, I think, is better at protecting the ball, but has slightly a limitation on what he can do compared to a compared to a Stafford with just a. I don't think that's fair. No, I, I think that if you give them, I think you put Matt Ryan in that Sean McVay offense, he's the MVP of the league. Maybe, to be quite frank, because he's got protection, he's got something of a running game, but he's got weapons all over the place that don't drop the ball. That's a big and help. And don't decide they're going to quit the team halfway through the year. That's an even bigger help. Although we can't have yeah. a go at Calvin Ridley for that. If it's no, I'm not. I'm not. I'm just. I'm not jazz, saying quit. Jazz, just jazz having a so pop apparently. at the mental, mentally ill. I see it. I see what you're doing now. Well, I've heard somewhere that he wants to leave the Falcons. Oh, that'd be. I've heard somewhere he wants to leave the Falcons. So it could be he quit the team because he was sick of the Falcons. That's such a bad. If he ends up like forcing a trade out of that in the next however many weeks of the off season that's a really bad look if you cite yeah the atlanta falcons are so bad they were damaging for my mental health <laughs> basically yep not a great look what about not um, great for the offense either what about for the bengals like the fallout joe burrow obviously it's tough isn't it? i mean if fundamentally for them they've got a hell of a lot of cap room it'll be strange for them drafting that late in the first round because i haven't done that and i don't know how uh, well, since like 1990, whatever it was, mm. or 80 something. Well, they never drafted this late, sorry, because there was never 32 picks in the, the draft when they lasted with this far in it. And you're going back expansion teams. 20 to Super Bowl 23 for the last time they finished as runners up in the yeah. NFL. So, so there might be what, 26 teams? Anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, they've got a young, really good core of players. They haven't got many free agents they've got to pay over the odds for, and they can still go out and try and buy or buy sign free agents to try and improve that offensive line if they can just get joe burrow a little bit more protection and bring out all the pieces that they've already got i don't see how they can't compete again i don't know how they don't just use every single pick on offensive linemen in this draft yeah because the fact that burrow takes the nine sacks against tennessee seven or eight sacks in the super bowl 51 sacks in the regular season yeah, it took so many hits last year as well, and he somehow still remains like upbeat and chipper and feeling good about stuff. And it's like, man, you're gonna. Well, he got a knee sprain during the game as well, didn't he? Yeah, which didn't help things. No. Uh, so you're just, you're just wondering, you know, with with Burrow, you have to go and get him that bit of protection because everything else is there. And from the sounds yeah. of it, this is a team. Um, I actually asked uh, Sam Hubbard about this, of. Is there almost, regardless of what happens, an element of sadness to this season coming to an end? Because this looks like a Bengals team that has become a very close-knit group very quickly mm-hmm. this season. And he kind of said there there is an element of that, of, you know, there are going to be players that move on, but we do still have this great core of a team. And he was kind of hinting that he thinks most of them are going to be back. Yeah. And it is going to be pretty much the same group. And obviously there'll be some additional pieces as well. And you have to credit... You know, whether it's Zach Taylor's influence on, on who they go out and get. I know... Uh, Mr. Well, the Bur- Saints have got a lot of people they have to get rid of. So just go and get um, Armstead, Tyrone Armstead from there. There's a left work. tackle. Yeah, I mean, they need they need so much cap room. 
How much yeah. are they? They're like 34 million over the cap or something ridiculous. Something like that. That. So you can see that pa- Sean, obviously this is a bit off topic with that, but you can see Sean Payton's run up the bill and thought, you know what? I'll see you later. Yeah, I'm Which out. Is what, exactly what I think if McVeigh walks away now, he's walking away knowing that they've run up the bill and the, the really, really thrifty times are coming. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. But yeah, who's it? Who's the? Because they don't really have a GM in Cincinnati, do they? They just have, uh, they just have scouting, and then the owners kind of the owner part GM, Mister Brown, isn't it? Oh, okay. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think there's obviously somebody who's working very because everybody seems to to hate Paul Brown in in Cincinnati. Sorry, Mike Brown, uh, the de facto GM. Right. Everybody seems to kind of hate the 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 Brown family, but love. Zach Taylor and Joe Burrow and the team that they've kind of put together. Well, again, the, the person who picked the players up last year, like I said on the, the previous show, those free agent acquisitions on defense are what made the difference. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's been a massively impressive job that they've done in terms of building that team. And once more, just screams against doing anything in the draft except getting nailed on players because, you know, Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow were, pretty much fairly nailed on and obviously there's still a lottery of of the draft and everything yeah but, and Pene Sewell didn't really have a great season with the Lions so it's not as if you can look back and say oh you chose a receiver who didn't do very well like a like a John Ross or a oh what's his name Darius liked, Hayward Bay I liked John Ross yeah he just didn't really do much did he yeah he had Andy Dalton as his quarterback I think John Ross in this team plays a bit like T Higgins in that he was a very big and powerful wide receiver yeah, actually would be a very useful player. Yeah, just looking at the free agents they brought in on defense, uh, 2020, DJ Reader, Trey Wayne's cornerback, and Von Bell, the safety. Then they bring in a Woozie, Mike Hilton, Trey Hendrickson, and of course the man that was missing out, Ogan Joby, in 2021 as well. Like, yeah, they got everybody in and everybody to buy into the same philosophy and be a very close unit. So if they can do that again this off season, the Bengals have a really high ceiling for next year. Yeah. The only difference is is that. You won't. No one will underestimate them, and their strength of schedule was really weak this year. It was one of the weakest strengths of schedules, I think. Yeah, because of the course NFL. they were in fourth place last year, and they the still still only won ten games. Yeah, this is, this is my thing with like going into managed to win going eight. into going into that game. You just no. kept on looking at this Bengals team. You're seeing the flaws in the offensive line. Um, not great against the run necessarily thought that would pay a bit more of an impact. Um, interesting as well that the OBJ touchdown, they ran man coverage and Matt Stafford was the best quarterback in the league against man coverage. So oh, right. you're asking him, they, they were the top two quarterbacks against the blitz in the league. And Matt Stafford was the best against man coverage in the league. And Joe Burrow was the best against zone coverage in the league. Right. So, so surely if you're the Bengals, you just play that zone coverage. You yep. don't, you don't go man. But, um, yeah, the... it's hard, isn't it? There's so many good teams in the AFC right now as well. I mean, smart... and if the Steelers get a quarterback, they are will be a force to be reckoned with. Potentially, potentially got, yeah. should have some money now. Ben's off the books, so. And there's there's plenty of cap room anyway, in Pittsburgh, wasn't there? I think so. I think they were but... one of the teams I had as being like the highest cap room with the ability to attract if they wanted to uh Russell yeah. Wilson or an Aaron Rodgers or somebody but it's like not that. their style they don't they don't tend to go for free agents like that so but will I'm not that change they have to evolve or die but it's, w- it's hard to see how they're going to do that 
won't that change slightly? I know the Bengals have drafted well as well, but the Rams obviously have barely drafted and used that to facilitate bit part pieces while going out and getting proven players. Are we not just seeing that getting proven players is the best way to go about it? No, because the Rams' success is spotty. It's not consistent. They haven't been consistent over many years. If they keep this going for 15, 20 years, fine, fair enough. You can prove there's another way of doing it. But the teams that are there or thereabouts at the end of every single year draft well. And they don't overpay for free agents. That's basically the way those teams are built. Steelers are one of them. The Patriots have been one of them. The Ravens have been one of them. Trying to think of other good examples. There's not a great deal in the NFC, to be honest. They can really have that moniker. The Seattle, when they hadn't um, had a terrible season, another example of that, not overpaying for free agents too much. Jamal Adams trade, in retrospect, I was really excited that that was a good idea, but actually it was terrible. Yeah, nothing um, really came from that. Yeah, it was not great, was it, that? Um, but I can't... Th- I mean, the Packers, another organisation that don't tend to overspend on free agents as a rule of thumb, tend to draft quite well. So you look at the teams that are consistent, that's the thing they have in common. Yeah, that's Rather true. than a Washington Reds... Oh, sorry, Washington Commanders, sorry. I thought you were about to say Red Sox for a second there as well. I was, about, like, to say, I was about to, yeah. That's a great way to get around it. it, the Washington Red Sox. Yeah, that works. Um, but that, they are a team, again, they've tried the big fridge acquisitions in the past. Albert Hainworth, Hainsworth being one of my favourite ones of all time, who doesn't play after he'd been paid, which is un, it's not understandable, but that's just what he did. Mm. Other teams that are like that, the Jaguars as well, to some extent, they've had some success when they had some free agents that came in and lots of cap room and had a decent enough draft to get some players in. I mean, they were literally then, just missing a quarterback in that team. Yes. And if they just got Fournette playing like he does in in Tampa. He, but that year he was, that year he was really good. Yeah, yeah. So, again, it's just it's that, it's that piece of the puzzle, I suppose, in some ways. If you have your quarterback already. So I've said the Patriots, the Packers and the Steelers, they've had their franchise quarterbacks for a long time. So it makes it easier to pick up players in the draft and not overpay because you're not constantly searching. And if you know, answer the quarterback, if you've got a franchise quarterback, you can restructure contracts to sort out the balance. Friendly, make things happen around because you know, that's your guy for the long-term future, as opposed to keeping them a rookie deal until the fifth year and then ditching them and having to restart again. Yeah. Like what the Browns should do with Baker Mayfield. Exactly. I was about to say, which is exactly what Cleveland are going to have to do this offseason. I mean, Especially because they... OBJ proved his play with the Rams proved that Baker was the problem with that whole situation. Another field for Dave to die in, basically. Yeah, that meadow is definitely burning right now, isn't it? Any uh, any other thoughts on the Super Bowl, Jazzy? Not really. I was just happy that my you... uh, £5 free bet came off, so it at least covered half of my betting money. Oh, nice. What was the, which was the bet that you went with on that in the end? Oh, I uh, had Cup to score a touchdown, T. Higgins to score a touchdown, so if I try and find it. Oh, yeah, I remember you saying, because one of the only messages I sent you guys during the game was mix and pass, over 2.5 pa- uh, different passes completing. Amazing. And you sent one back saying, yeah, and I got Higgins and like OBJ or something like that. Or... Where are we? Going to find it. Hold on. Well... I had Sorry, my this is the most boring thing in the world to listen to. No, I had my. I'll something. run through. I had my two and a half. Got it. Uh, there you go. Passes. Cooper Cup TD. T Higgins TD. The spread of plus three and a half for the Rams, and Stafford to throw a pick. 
was 10 to 1, and the £5 free bet won me £50. The Rams at plus three and a half. Yeah, because I thought the Bengals were going to win by a field goal. Okay. So plus three and a half still works for my other bets. I got you. I got you. I was trying to be safe with that one. How was that touchback? Ugh. <laughs> so tell me why you went off that. Because last year, you're the one that talked me into it, and we were really happy about it. I know. I, I literally got to the night before the game, the day before the game, when I had a bit of time, and I decided to get the old VPN working on the laptop and do a couple of the, the bets and stuff. Yeah. And... All I thought was we were so confident. I was so confident last year that it wasn't going to be a touchback. And I thought, you know what? Sod's law will be this year. It will be. I I literally just thought, you know, Gary McPherson have got big enough boots. Nobody's going to want to risk a touchback in this one. I mean, I was really surprised actually that the Bengals didn't want to take the ball when they got, when they won the toss. That really surprised me. And that they were like, I would have thought Joe Burrow being the guy he is. And I know teams receiving in the second half have a better win ratio in the Super Bowl than... Always defer. But I just would have thought that like Burrow and the Bengals would have been like that confidence, especially with a young team of, yeah, give us the ball. Let's go score first kind of thing. I just thought that was the way they would play it as soon as they won the toss and they didn't. They just selected to defer instead. But um, but no, the touchback thing, I don't know. I just had a feeling. I literally just had a feeling while I was putting it on. I was like, you know what? Yeah, like, we'll take the touchback this time. It, it has to I be. was convinced it was free money. Oh, I know you were convinced it was free convinced money. Convinced it was Because you money. said it was free money in our message. I'm actually really glad. I was going to put every single bet I put on, I was going to put it as a double or a triple or a quadruple With or whatever touchback. and have <laughs> not a touchback as part of it. So I'm exceptionally glad I oh couldn't do that. Would have Otherwise, I would have been all out after kickoff. <laughs> I would have maybe gone to bed. I'd be like, I'm sick of this. I'm, I'm, I'm out. See you later. Don't even care what color the Gatorade is. It's all done. Nope. It's all over. Yeah. No, because I would have had color of Gatorade with the touchback. With that, yeah. That would have been so good. I mean, it would have been terrible for you. That would have been so good, though, to just, if you I mean, come I on here and told me that. I would have watched the game still, but yeah. Yeah. No, Not I, ideal. Uh, yeah, I just I just thought it was. And so I made sure in commentary, I was like, oh, and that's a rare touchback in the Super Bowl, of course. You don't see many of those, but that is a uh, that means the Bengals will be starting from the 25-yard line. And somebody looked at me as like, why are you going on so much about the touchback? <laughs> it's like, you'll find out later. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that was annoying. But hey, it's one of those things. It's a 50-50 call. You know what? I had my... Considering how much we, I haven't put much on over the year, but I've definitely come out ahead thanks to the playoffs and the Super Bowl. Yeah, I'm 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 sitting prettier here than I was at the start of the year. I think I'm seventy quid up on the year now. I don't know exactly why I am, if I'm honest. Because I had roughly about thirty-two quid in my account for right. the various one-pound bet with you guys and the one-pound pick a team that I always do. And in total, I finished with about 110. So yeah, okay. I think, that's I think good. Just about up. I mean, it helped. Somebody picked the team to win the Super Bowl before the season started. I'm just going to put yeah, that. Yeah, that down. helps. That's Wilson knows football. No, Wilson likes to uh, chow down on two white guys' penises. Hey, there's some bad white boys in Cooper Cup and Matt Stafford. <laughs> there's some bad white boys. Yeah, that does help a lot. I mean, I I commend you for that. I still, yeah. 
Still annoyed. I think if I if the Rams had lost to the Cardinals in that first week, I'd have got the rest of the NFC playoffs correct, and I'd had the Bucks beat the Bengals on the, the on Sunday. And I I'll tell you something right now, Jazz. Stick it in your You'd calendar. Next season. Yeah. February the eleventh, whichever the Super Bowl is on, it's going to mm-hmm. be the Niners against the Bills. Okay, well, I I, I did screw that entirely. <laughs> Niners Bills making the pick now. Might go and put a pound on it. Do so you think Trey Lance is the answer quarterback for the Niners then? No, but I think Shanahan will do enough to get them there because they'll have that third option in the running game almost with Trey Lance. Which will be like, like Lamar Jackson is for the Ravens. Yeah, kind of. Except that Shanahan's a better schemer of that run game, which and that defense will continue to be very good. And then you'll have Josh Allen getting over the hump. He'll beat Mahomes in Buffalo in the playoffs because the Bills will be the number one seed. Or Burrow beats Mahomes and then Allen beats Burrow. Oh, I don't mind that either. But either way, I think the Bills end up hosting the playoffs all the way through, number one seed in the AFC. Okay, well, can't rule out the Tennessee Titans either with a hopefully rejuvenated Derrick Henry. I mean, let's see the collapse of the Titans in the end of that season. The, the running game was not helpful. No, and losing your best player in offense is not helpful. But Tannehill, I mean, you guys gave me crap when I said like Tannehill when we did Dave's game of uh, not better or worse, but like. Um, positive or negative, whatever, you know, 50-50 split, he basically said. And I said that Tannehill had underperformed for me. And you guys were like, no, no, he didn't have the weapons, but didn't play well in the playoffs. Let's put it that way. You started no, against the Bengals. one game. Exactly. They were caught cold. Just, just didn't think Tannehill... My Bengals team. I didn't, have, for destiny. I didn't have the confidence in Tannehill this year that we had in Tannehill Last previous year. year. Yeah. Just wasn't there for some reason. Again, just a feeling or whatever. Just didn't think he looked as good a player this year Fair as enough. he had done. Any off-season storylines that you're keen to get into, Jazz, as we move ahead? Because I'd like to continue. I know we had a break last off-season, but I'd actually quite like to continue this. We had a big break this. last season, didn't we? I'd like to continue this during the off-season. Maybe not every single week, but I think we should do it. Maybe Spurs. every couple of weeks or so. Yeah, there's plenty. Of, plenty. I'm happy to start reading about the draft prospects. <laughs> and 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 the cannon fodder that gets thrown into the, the media to picks. be. I mean, yeah. fundamentally, I think the big off-season stories this year are going to be what are Tampa going to do at QB with Brady retiring or but leaving the door half ajar. How many of the Rams will retire, and how many of those stars will become stars that have gone into the universe as opposed to still on the team? What's going to happen with Kyler Murray? Because he's unfollowed the Cardinals on Twitter and everything else like that. Kyler Murray needs to sort... Uh, okay. Because this, again, has been cropping up throughout the end of the Super Bowl week. You look at all of these quarterbacks that have succeeded, right? Yeah. Don't do stupid stunts like this. Do you think if you're Kyler Murray, if bouncing around places is going to really help you? You're a very good athlete. But you're not the finished article yet, Kyler Murray. No. By any stretch of the imagination. And to disrespect the franchise like that and basically do something that keeps these... I mean, I hate social media and I think looking into it is way too stupid. But considering these guys' lives are based on a lot of their time, their social media and what they do and all that kind of stuff, to do what he's done and then to not come out and like quell any of these rumours or anything like that, 
I think it's absolutely disgraceful. Yeah. I think it's really dumb. It reeks of immaturity. And you look at what, you know, Joe Burrow has come into the league with a not very good team when he's joined up with the Bengals. And they've done really well to create this squad and everything like that. But Joe Burrow has been mature and been a leader and acted like a, a leading influence in that locker room that a lot of people seem to trust already. Kyler Murray's now acting like an immature brat that nobody's going to trust going into this season at the position where everybody needs to trust and have a good relationship with you to be able to really succeed. Yeah. I think it's just a really foolish move on his part. You don't I see, agree. You don't see like Lamar Jackson making the playoffs a few times and being like, oh, but we're not getting to that final level yet. Oh, I hate this team. I hate this team. He could easily be asking maybe for a bit more help in the in the passing game. I know he's got Andrews and Brown who've had good years this year. But he could still he could complain about the Ravens being there, nearly there, but not quite there still. And he considers himself this incredible athlete. But he doesn't. He he acts like a grown-ass man, Jazz. Yep. Kyler Murray is not acting like a grown-ass man. So if, if he leaves, more fool him, because he's in a scheme that's designed for him. Yeah, you don't bite the hand that bite the feed you either. Yeah. So that's one off-season topic of quarterback. Then, of course, there's also the question of the draft, the quarterbacks in the draft. Then there's Jimmy Garoppolo. Then there's Russell Wilson. There's Aaron Rodgers. There's Deshaun Watson. Mm-hmm. There's, there's lots, really... of, lots of moving pieces. So you can easily see you know, what the Saints going to do with their team. Yeah, Is Alvin Kamara going to be able to play? I mean, there's there's Ooh, a lot of questions yeah. around a lot of teams. And Alvin... are, the, are the Colts going to keep with Carson Wentz? Are they going to get rid of him? Oh, he gone. Yeah, I agree. But he, I mean, he is gone. Yeah. Then where does he go? Does he become a backup somewhere? Does some team think he can start? Do you remember how at the beginning of this year we were kind of saying there's no places for quarterbacks to go because a lot of places look like they've either got their long term future sorted or have somebody that can be the required Stop, yeah. answer there. Yeah. There's suddenly a lot of places that need quarterbacks and there not are many a about. Lot. Not many about at all. It is a. It is not a buyer's market. For bringing in a quarterback, You're going to see some big contracts in free agency potentially yeah. for, for guys that can sling it. Well, the, the top tier guys, yeah, but then there's still there's quite a lot of other un, understudied guys, should we say? Which I put Carson Wentz into that, mm-hmm. who can't command the contract he thinks he's going to be worth because he's just not worth it. But do you not think he can command it because the draft class is so weak as well? No. So you, you I'll tell least... you why I don't think he can because you've seen enough of him from the, from Philly. You saw the capitulation of him in. Indianapolis. Whether the if the coordinator who got him playing well in Philadelphia, who's now the head coach of the Colts, can't get him playing well, clearly he's what they call damaged goods. Yeah, he's got trust issues, hasn't he? Yep. So I I just don't know what's going to happen with that. And then there's also the Panthers. They're going to keep with Donald and Newton. Are they going to mean the uh, play for someone? You don't keep Fig Newton, surely. He is squashed. There's now. the Vikings. The Vikings get rid of Kirk Cousins because you've got a new head coach, maybe a new kind of offensive scheme. I mean, if Kirk Cousins, goes on, if Kirk Cousins goes on the market, genuinely... You say it, Oli, I'll slap you. You say it, I'll slap you. <laughs> Could see him lining. Who do you, I mean, who do you think is going to be under center uh, at say Pittsburgh? It, I'll slap you. Kirk Cousins is available. This would be uh, 100% I will buy you the jersey. A hundred percent. I'll buy you the jersey. The thing is, I also heard another day of a potential trade for Jimmy Garoppolo, including Chase Claypool. Claypool and a third rounder for Garoppolo. Oh, 
I'd be tempted to keep him in fantasy again if Claypool got out of Pittsburgh and went went to the 49ers. So you got him, Samuel and Ayuk. Yeah, that's a good that's a good little trio that. That's a good little trio. And also gets rid of Tomlin's uh, issue with people on social media again as well. But do you want Jimmy Garoppolo in Pittsburgh? No. I told you who I want. I told you before. Watson, right? Yeah. I can't believe you'd want Watson over Kirk Cousins. I mean, I can, I can believe that, actually. I right? mean, what? <laughs> yeah. Is that, is that, is, <laughs> no, is that actually a sentence that came out of your mouth? No, but Why like, would you want Deshaun Watson over Kirk Cousins? <laughs> the sincerity me? of you on those thoughts. Is, is so I'm saying, do you want a nice bit of milk chocolate or do you want to eat some tar? I want the milk chocolate. <laughs> the tar doesn't taste very good. Not great for you. going to make you upset. Milk chocolate, make you happy. I don't think Deshaun Watson is going to make you happy. I think he would. And not, as long as he's allowed to play, doing, his legal stuff is cleared. To 15, for the yes. record, yeah. he has to be allowed to play because he's not a, not a guilty person. If he's a guilty person, then he can sling his hook. But. Hey, Carr could be gone in uh, the Raiders. Carr at the Steelers. I think we touched on that earlier in the year. Would be yeah, a really nice. Wouldn't one. be a bad one. That'd, that'd be a very nice one. Although I quite like to see Carr to Justin Jefferson in Minnesota. Yeah, that wouldn't be bad either. That'd be a very nice connection. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm lots, looking forward. Lots, to, lots of stuff to go through. Looking forward to seeing what happens with uh, with that. Look, let's let's do that. Let's stay up. Try and stay up a bit on the draft and some of the prospects. Let's have a look. We should analyze some of the team seasons as well, our own and and some of the other big ones around this year. Not too hard to analyze the Raiders season. I mean, we could, yeah, it's true. We could just look at the um, look at each divisions. What we should do? Yeah, that's cool. Let's do that. Divisional summary or whatever, and then divisional previews and. Yeah, and we don't need to take like too long in terms of prepping those and stuff like that. Speak with the heart, not with the stats. Yeah. We don't really, I don't think this is a podcast designed for real stats. Every so often, a bit of in-depth Sometimes analysis. Sometimes it's quite fun to be able to back up, back up a point, yeah. aside from just the eye test. When do you ever back up a point, Jazz, when it comes to people like Kirk Cousins? <laughs> if you use I actual stats times. on Kirk I just, Cousins. I can't remember the, the exact things I've said in the past because I've said so many. Yeah. But yeah. it comes down to... You've got one drive, going down the field, it's fourth quarter, minute left, you need a touchdown. You're putting the ball in his hands. No, you're not. Rather his than Jimmy G's. Ooh. Yeah, if you've got a game winner. Oh, I didn't know about that. Game winning drive. Dude, we've just seen that Jimmy G can't do it in San Francisco. With George no, Kittle. No, Carl Shanahan can't do it in San Francisco. With Kittle, Ayuk, and, uh, and Sam. Yeah. yeah, but Shanahan's the choke artist here. He is. He gets a lead, would, he blows it. I would back a Kirk Cousins, Mike Zimmer led Vikings over a 49ers Garoppolo Shanahan with the final drive, for sure. And that's not well, just because of Shanahan. I don't know if I agree with you. Oh, we should That's mention. Fine. We should mention, by the way, that Dave won his Super Bowl bet, so he's got he's like one pound eighty five richer or something like that. I'm yeah. guessing he had the Rams spread and the under. Mm. It's always going to be the under. Yeah, yeah. I well, had the over. I thought it was going to be much higher, much higher scoring than that. That's why I put so many better builder things on with lots of touchdowns everywhere. You'd have got great money if you put your Cooper Cup multi touchdown there. I didn't do it in the end. I think, though, most of the Cooper Cup touchdown ones were two or more. Yeah, so he had two, didn't he? 
Yeah, so two, like 2.5 though, I mean. No, no, it's two or more. It's oh, two touchdowns or more than two touchdowns. Oh, well. Should have done that's it. What, that's why it says two or more, not two and a half no, I plus. Thought it, I just thought it's I'd read two it. Like two or 2. more. 5. All right, Jazz. Because if you have two, you still win. Can't wait for you to do the teaching us what spread betting is again, just for the sake of... Uh, it's a funny joke. <laughs> <laughs> right, let's leave it there for our post-Super Bowl discussion. Uh, let's do some, definitely do some off-season podcasts and who knows... And we'll celebrate the end of season two, the full season of... End of the full season of... Well, end of the second full season of Return the Picks. Where once again, the Super Bowl puts me in the plus for the rest of the year. That's, two years in a row. Yeah, thankfully... That covered me a little bit, otherwise I'd be down about hundred. But we are gonna have some fifties not so bad. We are gonna have some different guests on actually, uh, in the off season. Uh, there's a really good chap called Kenny Bellow who's from uh UK Dukes, which is basically a company that is building up the NFL in the UK in various different ways, including a lot of flag football. We're gonna have him on. Okay. He's got an incredible story that he told us over a few drinks about uh, a supermarket in Finland called KKK which uh oh. yeah it is hilarious i need him to say, tell us that story on the podcast it was so funny when he was telling us that in vegas and um joe as well from the oakland raiders uh, one of the oakland raiders shows around the team nicest guy on the planet we accused him of being a coke dealer straight off the bat when we got to meet him in uh, in vegas we caught up with really? him in la as well he's a he is such a sweet bloke gave us loads of good recommendations of where to go in vegas he put us on a, on his show when we were out there as well, he was actually really interested in like London and the UK and what we actually thought of the NFL without being patronizing to it. He yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. So we're going to get him on at some point. Hopefully we'll get Josh Potter on as well, which would be just That's great. A big fish. That's so good. If we can get yeah. Josh Potter on, he follows me on Instagram and put up like thank you posts to me, which is just, <laughs> as I say, crack me up. Um, when he's given so much free content to myself and apparently on his Patreon, I'm tempted to get it just because, the night of the Bills Chiefs game, he was yeah. on stage that night. And instead of doing his comedy routine, he demanded they put the projector on to project the game onto the screen behind. And he basically did drunk play by play and got blackout drunk during that <laughs> game. <laughs> and he's got a video of that. And that is apparently on his Patreon. And that is something that I have to see because that sounds so goddamn funny. That does sound funny. Did you watch the halftime show, by the way? That's the last thing I wanted to ask you. Yeah, of course it is. Because normally the halftime show is trash and nobody should watch it. But that well, was I enjoyed incredible. the weekend last year. I had a good sing-along. Yeah. Yeah, you I'd... saw it. You enjoyed it. My singing. Yeah, not so much. But that was incredible, that halftime show. That was good. I mean, 50 Cent's arrival was a bit weird. Yeah. I think that was just not necessary. He is now a dollar and change, according to a lot of people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that was awesome. Eminem just tore the house down. Mary J. Blige as well was incredible. I mean, I'm not a big Mary J. Blige fan, so I would happily have cut her out and put no, the rapper No, but her performance. So if Eminem hadn't come out the way he did and got the pop that he did for coming on stage, Mary J. Blige got the biggest roar from the crowd for sure. Oh, really? Yeah, okay. during that show. Yeah, Fair like, enough. Because Snoop and Dre were there for the whole thing. So it was like, yeah, yeah, we already knew you were here, blah, blah, blah. We knew Mary J. Blige was going to be there, but she kind of did a real like powerful performance i thought and the crowd really responded to it long live the halftime show suddenly <laughs> well the funny thing was i saw a meme on the internet with this saying that people born between 1987 and 1995 this halftime show was for us and this is for all the halftime shows we stood there watching thinking who are these guys why have they got the who on 
who are the Rolling Stones? Yeah, yeah. Why have we got um, Tom Petty on? And yeah. now we're that generation where we're getting the music back that happened before. So it just means we're getting old. That's what but, it really means. No, but also the fact that they related it to the city. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the that's the most important thing, particularly when you've got a city as you know culturally important as Los Angeles to have people that were there for Represent. the rise of hip hop and yeah in that area you know the fact the stadiums in Inglewood and everything like that yeah. that that is that was awesome you know it's like Atlanta has got you know Outkast should have done the Super Bowl halftime show in Atlanta yeah. instead of Katy Perry uh, Miami I, I don't really know who's from Miami but there's definitely some I suppose like Shakira's got the you know South American roots and Miami's filled with South American and more, uh, more Cubans though Central American Miami. kind of yeah yeah that's true she got Pitbull Mr. Worldwide that would have been cool yeah but yeah you got to link it to the city and where's the next one where's Arizona next yeah I don't know I don't know who's good from Arizona mm, so it might I. just have to be generic what's Arizona musically famous for I imagine there's a fair bit of country down there I really have no idea. I also might just yeah, I have no idea. Garth Brooks. No. I, I mean he's probably not. I'm oh, just, okay. But let's get Garth I was heading down as like Tennessee or somewhere Texas y. Yeah, sort of he's a I'm sure world. he's like a Memphis y kind of guy or something like yeah. that. Yeah. But I, if they had Garth Brooks, we'd just have to get the uh get <laughs> if the they signs had Garth out. Brooks. Could you imagine all the banners that people put up on the stadium? Where are the bodies? The Where are the bodies? holding up banners for that, just popping up in the background of the Super Bowl halftime show. <laughs> <laughs>